episode 23 hope you haven't missed us darian has been doing some really wild crazy shit so been a little bit busy um sort of getting used to all that craziness so but we're back this week uh and we're joined by a really awesome guest um dan finley from uh the metamask team uh hey, and, then, oh, and then i'm also joined by uh, my two co-hosts um cory petty uh, and Demetric ferguson um, Corey and Dimitri, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves to our great audience? What's up, yeah, guys? No problem. I'll go first because I called it. Go for it. <laughs> Corey Petty here, guys. <laughs> always, a, always a fan of being on the Block Channel show. Love to talk about uh, MetaMask. I've been, I've been a fan of this project ever since its inception. Cool. And uh, D here, host number two of the Bitcoin podcast and Block Channel. And I'm excited to get learnt on some MetaMask. Learn me up. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> well, as Dimitri said, we're going to get learnt today on some MetaMask. Um, so, 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 without any further ado, let's go ahead, go ahead and have Dan introduce himself. And Dan, you can just share with us. Um, uh, be as verbose as you would like to be, um, but give us give us a backgrounder on like your education, how you ended up uh, into the space, uh, and working on Ethereum projects today. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for having me on, Stephen. Um, yeah, I, I've, I have fun uh, listening to your guys' podcast. Uh, you're definitely one of the more uh, you got a lot of character to your podcast. Uh, so, thanks so it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I love I love that you guys. Uh, yeah, you, you have a fun time with with this, you know, kind of crazy and overwhelming space at times, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so I'm I'm Dan, and um, I've been I I like to describe myself as a, a little bit of a weirdo. Um, because I, I, and you know, I think there have been a lot of things that contributed to that. I had a slightly irregular uh, education. I went, you know, my parents get, put me into a, a school that was all about like creativity and working together. And it was a parent-teacher co-op, and you know, we didn't have homework or desks, and it was really unstructured. And then uh, most of my uh, life, right after high school, was just uh, doing improv comedy for like a decade. And I was just. Yeah, so it's like a really unusual path, and then like so, and then amongst all that, uh, I I ended up, you know, I thought I wanted to get into maybe writing stuff. I I knew improv had been great for my creativity, but I felt like I was getting a little scattered, a little scatterbrained. You know, I wanted to dive deeper into something. I wanted to learn how to, you know, focus. Uh, so I I started studying English. I I got a de- degree in English from uh, UC Irvine, uh, in lit, you know, doing literature. Which just mostly ends up being just like studying the history of British literature, but <laughs> but it makes you think about it really deeply. So like I think that's the real skill is you just you learn how to analyze things and make arguments and uh, and you know just all the that kind of liberal arts education. And uh, when I came out of school with that, um, you know I I got whatever jobs I could for a while, uh, doing like you know many different jobs, just basically hustling and doing whatever I could. You know I, I started a screen printing business. Uh, I was teaching chess. I was uh, teaching a little <laughs> drama, um, whatever I could do. And eventually, I was teaching drama at this uh, at this recreation center. 
and they had an empty computer lab and I had done com- computer stuff my whole life. I'd, I'd done, you know, I'd been making videos cause I'd been doing drama. So I knew how to edit videos. I knew how to do some basic stuff. And, uh, I knew that kids loved making video games and there's some cool software for learning to make video games. And so I started teaching a class on how to make video games. And, uh, uh, the more I did that, I, I just, you know, trying to stay ahead of the class, basically taught myself how to program apps, uh, made my first app for the iPhone and, uh, started taking freelance gigs and stuff. And so from the beginning, my intentions with programming were always about like taking cool technology stuff and then making it accessible to people. So that was that was kind of the avenue I got into it. And then I just ended up getting deeper and deeper on the tech side uh, to where I started getting into the open source community. And you know, I, I was working on a 3D game eventually uh, with uh, code blocks so you could like make a code gun. And that's how I met uh, Aaron Davis. Uh, Akumavis, the the you know lead dev and founder of, of MetaMask, uh, we got introduced because we were both trying to make video games to help kids learn how to program, um, and uh, yeah, so we hit it off right away. And like three open source projects later or so, um, we we uh, we we started working together. Um, we got we started working together at a startup in San Francisco called Mocha Leaf, and then we we all got hired by Apple, and then uh, I used to work at Apple too. That's awesome. You oh, you did? Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, down in, in Cupertino? What'd you do? I didn't work down in Cupertino. I worked on I worked on the on, on the business side. Um, okay. so what 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 do you um what you what do you guys do there? Uh we were doing we we're doing like internal tools. So like we simultaneously can't talk about it and uh, you you wouldn't really want to hear about it if we could. <laughs> <laughs> like um but you know it was it was basically making uh web apps. So it you know full stack kind of development stuff and uh so we just just iterating and practicing the chops. And while we were down there in in the Silicon Valley, that's when Aaron picked up an Ethereum meetup where he got to he he met a Vitalik and got got the gears turning a little bit and started coming back to me. And you know we had lunch together every day, and so we'd talk about it and kind of think about what this new thing meant because we we both had like you know dabbled with Bitcoin early on, and we're like, well, it's cool, you know, and you know. Like sure, like why why not decentralized banking and stuff, whatever. But, but yeah, once, sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Of course, that's good. But you know, we you know, it's just kind of it's chipping along, whatever. Uh, but then, like the notion of having a computer on it, and then like we we definitely started like having some ideas of the implications, and uh, and it just kind of got more and more exciting uh, until yeah. So he quit. He quit uh, first uh, and and started working on it, and about a year later finally talked me into quitting too and joining. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been having a great time ever since. It's, it's a really, it's a really exciting space to be in, obviously. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe that's a little bit of a curse and a blessing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, like, it, it seems like we hit a little bit of a sweet spot um, in that we we're, we're definitely serving something that the ecosystem needs. And, and we're just trying to keep up with those needs because like, they are way beyond like anything that anyone's delivering yet, and so there's such a long way to go, and there's so so many uh, things to kind of explore in this space. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's where we are today. <laughs> you know, in the middle of all this uh, all this kind of madness and you know IC, ICO type frenzy or token launches or whatever, and um, so so yeah, um, that's that's kind of the that's that's that'll be my uh, my backstory. Uh, Excellent. Well, that's that. That's great. That's great. Thanks for thanks thanks for all the details. Sounds to me like you were 
um, sort of like a jack of all trades for a little bit until you found like your passion. And I guess I guess crypto crypto helped you stay in the space. So like I, I think that's great. So so let's talk about um, MetaMask. So yeah. let's, uh, let's let's sort of like run into this, and I'll let um, Dimitri and and Petty uh, uh, pin different questions along the way. But let's just go ahead and start like on a high level. What what is MetaMask? What is MetaMask like trying to accomplish? And how has MetaMask, how well has MetaMask done thus far doing that? Yes. So I think I think the the way you can best describe what MetaMask is doing for Ethereum right now is it's just trying to be the the most user approachable interface to start using web interfaces to smart contracts. So like traditionally, you know, on a blockchain, you just need a like on Bitcoin, you just need a wallet. You know, you need a send function and then a block explorer or something to verify things. And then you're pretty set. And there might be some scripting, but you'll probably build a backend around that in a whole app. But uh, but if, when you're making a web interface around an Ethereum smart contract, um, there's like there's some considerations that normal browsers aren't really friendly to. Um, specifically, like you need to kind of when, when you're working on a blockchain, you have to hold your private keys. You're like responsible for your own identity or account or whatever you want to call it. And the browser doesn't really have a notion of you owning your own keys. Um, and it doesn't really have the notion of you owning your own blockchain connection either. And MetaMask solves those two problems. Um, so it kind of just extends what a normal browser does. So it's just an extension. You just install it on your browser. And now your browser has this kind of, it's enabled to go to these new kinds of websites that can, uh, that, that can interact with the blockchain. Is a simple way to put it. They can, they can load data off of it so they can display things like token balances or, um, you know, current transactions or offers or or votes or whatever, and then they can also give you user uh, interaction. So they can give you like a button that gives you the option of interacting with a smart contract. So that could be as simple as a tip button, or it could be as complicated as a vote button, or uh, it could be yeah, you could be uh, if it was a liquid democracy, you could be designating somebody as your you know representative politician and you could be saying when they vote just automatically vote the same way um, so it could be like really complicated things and now you've got this way your browser can can ask you it can say this website wants to vote on your behalf that here's what it wants to do do you approve that and we we provide that user interface where we we ask the user and we're, we're you know going to forever chase like what it means to fully inform a user um, you know of some kind of smart contract transaction and uh, then they can approve it or deny it. So I, I got a question for you. You said it's essentially yeah. just a browser extension. Uh, you know, yeah. historically, uh, browser extensions seem to be the easy inlet for nefarious characters. So, like, yeah. when you built MetaMask, did you take that security, like, is security taken really seriously when it comes to the fact that it is just a browser extension, and that's how? baddies tend to do what they want to do yeah yeah and and yeah that's totally right and in fact as soon as you install metamask like savvy users who you know read the the messages on their screen uh, <laughs> they see it's, it says like this extension wants to read and write data on every website you visit which is like basically the worst permission you can possibly ask for as a as a developer um and and we totally don't want to ask for that at all and um, there's actually some really cool people at Firefox who who would they're like open to exploring what a, a better 
uh, API for that would be like, we should be able to just say, this extension wants to extend your browser's capabilities, want to add, wants to add a new API. That's, that's all we really want to do. And that should be sufficient. Um, when we first started working on MetaMask, it wasn't an extension at all. It was actually originally um, a kind of interesting browser in a browser hack. And um, actually, I, Parity briefly did this where, you know, basically you go to a website and it has a URL bar under your URL bar. Mm -hmm. And if you watch the DevCon 1 demo of MetaMask, that's the version that you see. And the thing is, it's just injecting an API into an iframe is... It's an enormous labor. Um, there's there's a lot of kind of hacking going on there. You're you're kind of replicating the browser within the browser. It's you're like writing another browser. It, yeah. It's way too much work. So the browser extension is basically like like I said I said we're trying to make the most user you know the fastest way for users to get started. Um, we were also we're also initially going for the fastest way for us to create that offering, and for us that means making a browser extension. Um, we're we're not trying to be a browser extension forever. Um, we're we're actually um, one of our fundamental kind of priorities is that our code base is portable. So while it is a browser extension right now, and people who want to trust us right now, they can just deal with that. Um, we're constantly pursuing like how to fit it into other form factors. And so like one way is we've got a we've got a project in the works that allows us to run uh, MetaMask without an extension. Um, code name MetaMascara, um, but it requires like opt-in from websites. Um, so there's kind of a trade-off there. And then there's also some talk about like moving MetaMask like deeper into the system uh, stack. Like, like it could be a system extension instead of a browser extension, for example. Um, and there's actually some cool opportunities there because a lot of computers are shipping with these secure enclave chips and the processors uh, nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that we could actually do all the signing uh, in this kind of secure environment where like literally no software can steal your private keys. Um, and what's cool about keeping MetaMask's code base really portable is we could eventually move it down where it's a system extension. It gives you all the same user experience, but like the keys aren't stored in any code we control. Um, so, so yeah, one of the ideal goals that we have is like basically removing our ability to, um, to possibly be malicious. Um, but yeah, yeah. For the time being, we're we're in the trust this phase, and and yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Uh, there was a great talk Corey Doctorow gave at uh, the decentralized web summit. He was talking about making an, uh, oh, what it was the Odysseus Pact. Um, is the notion of, of like, <laughs> have you heard that? Have you heard that one? Um, it's so Odysseus, like in the Odyssey, uh, he when when they were going to sail past the sirens, you know, the siren song makes you want to jump off the boat and drown yourself. And so, it, but Odysseus wanted to hear the song, so he had his men like tie him up to the mast so that he could hear it, but he wouldn't have the choice of of plunging himself into the water. Um, so, so Query Doctor, I was like, a uh, message to the decentralized web developers is, you know, make Odysseus packs, like do things in your development that make it impossible to go malicious later on. And yeah. in the short term, one of the ways we do that, just as the last part, is it is an open source project, so the most security minded people can build from source and just install it locally. So that's 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 the most we can offer right now. Yeah, yeah. I was at Consensus and watching, I guess it was Blockstack do one of their talks. And Wendy um, Mali wrote something like talking about Google's mantra of don't be evil. And he talked about the new yeah. the new motto of, the, of this space should be can't be evil. And yeah, it's nice yeah. to see other projects 
work towards that mantra. But I did also notice like, like when we were first talking that you mentioned that like what you're basically trying to do now as MetaMask is just trying to keep up with the Ethereum community based on the ridiculous demand. Um, yeah. And your, I guess, interesting point of view or unique perspective of supplying that demand, where do you see that demand? Like what, what does the space need to do in order to become what it's, you know, ideologically trying to become? Like what, what, what's the right thing that people should be working on to try and meet that demand? Yeah, yeah, a uh, great, great question. Because, because you are, you're completely correct. I, I have a really fortunate perspective on this ecosystem. Like, I'm, you know, there's some, there's nonstop brilliant people in this space, but, uh, but I, I have a great perspective. <laughs> so, like, I may not be a gifted cryptographer, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I get to help uh, end users who are seeing Ethereum for the very first time, and they don't know what these words are, like way and gas. And and annoying things like that, and and like token and test networks. Oh my god! I had a user email the other day. They were like, they're like, oh, they're like, MetaMask stole my ether because <laughs> I had some real, I had some real Ropsten ether, and I sent it, and then now you're telling me it turned into some fake ether, and uh, and it, it's just like, it's like we have to completely educate people about so well, many idea, things, or just it's... make it impossible. Right. That, whole, that whole idea is a foreign concept anywhere where you can say, go yeah. play with this fake money, push a button, and now it's real money. It's But, but is it like like Monopoly no, is not a foreign concept? Maybe we should name the test nets like board games or something. Yeah, maybe. So <laughs> people get it. Like, that's Monopoly <laughs> ether. You know, that is life ether. Uh, because, yeah, no, seriously, like different networks, people think of, of different networks that they look like different Wi-Fis or something. They, they're used to an internet that's fully connected to so the notion that you're on one and it doesn't talk to the other. That's totally foreign. So... So that's that's like so user experience is like the first and most fundamental just just obnoxious point and we I think we have a long way to go on that you know like we were I think really quick to do a pretty good one pretty good UI but uh, you know there's there's a there's a lot of things we can improve uh, like representing contract parameters and, and tokens and all that kind of stuff like we've we've been spending so much time just keeping our our fundamentals grounded right now. Um, but then on the development side, like there's there's so far to go. Like so so the user experience so far to go. Like just making transactions readable to people, educating them so that they just understand these basic concepts, or just wording these concepts so that they're you know intuitive. That's like half our job. It's just like humanities. It's just like because none of this stuff will actually be useful to normal people if they can't even just transact in it. Um, but maybe that'll just be solved when we're all on one network or something. Um, so then on the other side is just the the developer experience and and like how are we storing these and what's what's the stack of a decentralized app and all that um you know cuz we're going to have to scale this thing and is it you know there's going to be state channels first and then we're going to have there's going to be this weird awkward period where we're going to have a lot of different networks this is just starting now right cuz you've got ethereum and you've got etc and then you've got rootstock coming up and then you got uh Oh, what was that new one? Electrum or something? It's like it's another Ethereum VM compatible blockchain. Um, it's like a fork of block of Ethereum or something. But so so you've got like you've got like a whole bunch of these little forks of Ethereum, and then people are going to want them to communicate. So like, what does that developer experience look like, or what does that user experience look like? Right, like um, making it really seamless so people can just hop into an application, start using it easily. Um, that's an important thing. So that's just kind of so that's an interchain problem, uh, you know. So scaling and all that stuff, everybody knows all about that. Uh, 
you know, everyone was like, that's just a critical thing. Like eventually, you know, we need way more transactions per second. How are we going to partition it? Are we going to sort things by by topic, by region? You know, shards will probably be divided along all sorts of dimensions, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, what else have we got? Uh, yeah, the oh yeah, the APIs right now are still really horrible. Like when you load uh, an application, <laughs> like like well, because we inject this API, like we we act like you know Web three is a browser API, and uh, but it's just really coarse. It's very much a minimum viable blockchain API. It's enough to like ask questions one at a time, which mm-hmm. is just not how you load a web page. Like if you inspect the wire traffic when you load Twitter or something, like. It, it makes a huge batch request, right? It gets like a lot of your tweets all at once. That, that is not how dApps are really loaded today. It's like literally like, what's, how many tweets are there? And it's like a thousand and you're like, tweet number one. And then it <laughs> says back and it's like, and so these these dApps load really slow. And, and it's amazing how good people have made some dApps given these limitations, you know, like looking at some of the decentralized markets that are out there like Oasis Dex where they're loading, they're loading buy and sell orders right there, and and you can see like the you know the the graphs and charts. Like it's it's amazing how much they're they're getting with like such a coarse API. Um, we're gonna make that so much better over time. It's just gonna take time. It's gonna take tons of developer attention and care and discussion. And, um, yeah, how much time? Yeah, yeah. If you had to estimate, if you had to guesstimate, guesstimate like how how much time. Uh, how much? Well, because I mean, it just depends like how many people are on it and how good they are at collaborating with each other, right? Because I mean, it's one thing for like one person to try to solve it all, uh, and then and then you know you could have unlimited numbers of people trying to solve it in parallel, and that doesn't make it any faster. So it's kind of like uh, blockchains. You know, this decentralized ecosystem encourages cooperation. Is maybe like the best thing about it. So so if anything, we just have to like get better at like doing that because we've got incentive to cooperate right it's like oh well you you both bought this these tokens on this network so so you're both like invested in seeing it succeed but you know maybe it's course it, it sucks it's like a model t forward right and so you you both want to see it improve but now you have to communicate and you have to you have to shake like centuries of like market competition instincts that make you want to just like you know insult the other person and call their project insecure and uh, you know, poke holes in it, and you know, even when it's like maybe the only other thing there is or something. Um, like, like I see people like you know, there will be these Reddit posts. They'll like they'll pick a, a wallet. They'll have like one bad experience with the wallet, and then they'll be like, "I'll never trust that wallet scam. again." Yeah, scam, scam, definite scam. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's like it's like, look, there is like far too few people contributing to like it may be a lot of developers like we may have like you know thousands tens of thousands of developers on this it's still far too few to start throwing people under the bus for like a mistake here and there like we have to get so much better at like constructively cooperating and and uh, kind of working on the same thing so so if we got really good at cooperating and and coordinating on these things uh you know may, maybe it could be you know f- so for that problem alone of like What's a good API? Like, well, maybe that's a year problem. I don't know, um, but but it requires really good communication. Um, we, we've got a, we've got an EIP for a, uh, a kind of standards DAO. Uh, you know, it's not like a formal uh, standards body. It's just like going to be a, a system for signaling your support for a standard. Mm. But um, like, it's like an example of an experiment that I want to try because we need to get better at iterating as a community. Um, so, so like, get better at just throwing out ideas, 
showing your support of it, you know, adding tests to it kind of as a as a group, you know, no no single kind of gatekeeper, but but just like keep that collective space where we can throw ideas together, let them stick or, or fall and then uh, and then just build on what works. Um, so, yeah, the better we get at that, I think the faster this stuff is going to mature. Um, but, yeah, like each one of these problems, like best case scenarios, you know, it's to, to smooth out. It's going to be. Yeah, it's on the scale of years, I think. Now, now, um, now, 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 to smooth out these issues, like, is it, is it, uh, what's holding you guys back? Is it like developmental resources? Is it funding? Is like, do you guys plan on doing an on, on doing an ICO yourselves? Like, what's what's the plan in order to to get there? Yeah. So, so MetaMask is a consensus project. So we're we're happily funded. Like, you know, uh, we we're, we're taken nicely care of there, and and they've given us, you know, they they've seen that we're making something that's useful to a lot of a lot of our projects at consensus. And so they've given us a lot of the liberty that we need to just kind of do our best. And so we're kind of just trying to scale as fast as we can. I don't think any of us saw it growing this fast. Um, I thought we were going to have a little longer to uh, smooth out some of the basics before we had uh, the onslaught of like mm -hmm. people who literally do not know how any of this stuff works. Mm -hmm. you know? That dumb money came um, in. It wants some. Yeah, 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 and and we we get that that our Slack is full of. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to insult our, our wonderful Slack users. They're they're wonderfully sweet people. Uh, but like there are, is a ton of new people coming through, and yeah. they they need you know they they really and they deserve like you basic know a personal kind of introducing them. Yeah, a basic basic education. Yeah, and and you know the ecosystem. It's like you still don't know what's the best like basic intro to this stuff. You know, like like if you're you know. People always say like your grandma or your mom. I, I don't know why it's always you know it's always gendered or whatever. But uh, you know it, the the, per, the least tech savvy person you know, right? They come to you and they ask like, what's what's this Ethereum thing all about? Like, what do you send them? Like, do you get send them a link? Like, do you have a pitch you go to? I don't. I don't. I still don't Me? think the ecosystem has totally nailed it. Well, I Me? mean, personally, go, I go send ahead, them man. to a I send them to a chair and I say, all right, now open up your mind and your ears, yeah, because you're yeah. about to experience something. And that's how it starts. That's that's just I mean, me personally. I, I like I that. I like that. That's that's compassionate. But that sounds like it's going to be a good time. Uh, <laughs> like I feel like I don't always get the environment to do that. Like I don't always get the chair. People ask me at awkward times. They're like, they'll ask me like on the train. It. It's a theoretical <laughs> chair, Dan. It's it's, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a metaf it's a metaphorical chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> metaphorical chair. Yeah, yeah. So so that's what we need. We need we need a lot of metaphorical chairs. <laughs> and we need to we need to have a lot of a lot of deep conversations with people who are uh, ready to open their minds like that. I guess. Well, the uh, thing is, is like if you can't Dr. Seuss this stuff, then nobody's yeah. ever going to get it. Yeah. So yeah. if you can't take it, take this these grandiose ideas and ideologies and distill yeah. it down into a five to fifteen minute. This is the basics. Do you get it? Then you're doing mm -hmm. it wrong. Well, yeah. there's there's an aspect of this that that a lot of people have said that like because we're so early in this nascent technology that eventually when we get to the point where we have things that people are using and it's changing their lives and making like socially emergent behavior change, it's they're going to be interacting with something that they don't really understand that's decentralized through blockchain. It's mm -hmm. it's like Facebook to the internet, and yeah. When people use applications like that, they have no idea what's going on in the background. And we only have things that work now 
where you have to have a pretty good intimate knowledge of what's going on in the background. Yeah. So eventually, yeah, like, those are two do very people, different. Yeah. yeah. Do people really need to know? Do we do we like we need education for the for developers and people who are in the space now so that they can help contribute? We can get to the point where people don't really need to know. Mm. And yeah. How, so I mean, that's the how, question, right? Yeah. Like, how do we yeah. do that? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think some people skate by without knowing much. Uh, it may just be once they hit some UX snag or something, like then suddenly they're like, "What is a nonce?" <laughs> and <laughs> you know, or, uh, and then we got to have that hard conversation. But that that I think is maybe just our fault. <laughs> like, like if we, you know, I kind of think if it's ordered right, if it's presented right, it it gets intuitive. You know, a user mm-hmm. a user interface should just kind of make it obvious. Uh, you know, and, and that shouldn't be not to say that that should be dumbing it down. It's like maybe, you know, we're just looking for like the visual metaphors that are equivalent to that comfy chair. Right. And just make it feel obvious. Um, so that's that's what we're that's what we're chasing. Noble, a noble exercise, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's hard, though, too. Like, oh, it's real work. Speaking of speaking of fun um let's 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 dive into a, a quick topic change real quick uh, and i'm gonna move to the topics of like ico token mm-hmm. um so you know metamask is used extensively along with other cool services like my ether wallet um for individuals that want to like invest into like these icos and it's great i've used metamask myself you know fired it up in chrome had a wallet going sent some each to it uh, i used it when um i did the ens um a bidding. So it was really straightforward. I love it. It was great. So what has your um what has your experience been around individuals investing in ICOs with MetaMask? Like what are you guys like doing to like improve that improve that experience for people that are using your platform specifically for that? Mm-hmm. And just like maybe you just have some thoughts or something you would like to share that you've experienced thus far. Yeah, yeah. So I'll try to take it on the the kind of two ways that I can, which is like first like how do how do we try to react and improve the product? And then, like, then just what? Then I'll take a broader stroke. It like, what is what is this going on? Uh, so, like, we I, I think our best strategy right now is we we you know have made the product you know as good at any moment as we are aware of. And then you know we've got of course a backlog of issues. You know we try to prioritize those. And then after a given ICO, like or uh, or, or token launch or or whatever kind of event that gets a lot of people on the network, um, we try to just listen and. Um, some some days, some launches, there is a lot of commotion. Um, there was there was a really there was a loud one. Oh yeah, Melonport was the first one for for us at MetaMask where there were a lot of people who felt like they didn't get in and they wanted to kind of blame somebody. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how it was. I I think I I feel like my Ether Wallet had had a big one before that. Like because I remember having a conversation with uh, Tavana where she was like. Oh, welcome to the club. Like, like they, they're, they're not going to slow down. <laughs> like, um, so, um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy, by the way, that there are like other tools that work, so that like when somebody gets to their peak anxiety, they can just they can say, "Well, I'm leaving," and, and we can just say, like, "Fine, like that's that is fine. Like, it's working for other people. We could probably work <laughs> through this, but it's good for you to have a place you can go storm off to." Um, but uh, in that one, it was all about. Well, it was another one of those time limited. Uh, launches, so it was like you know it was or it was uh, capped, I think. So you know they're trying to raise 12 million or whatever, and so it sold out in a few blocks or 12 minutes or something like that. And 
So uh, basically people had to bid up the gas. And so you basically needed to have your gas higher. And at that point, we were just kind of treating MetaMask like like we're easy mode, like we're going to be the grandma one. And so we had we had made the option of like like just removing the gas controls from the transaction approval, which works fine 99 percent of the time. But during like an event like you, those people just get stopped out of the network entirely. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't really do that. So so that may be fine 99 percent of the time. But like, like we, we started joking like we, we need like, yeah, we need like investor mode where it's like a Cadillac or something and yeah just just speeds up the whole thing or yeah or rocket whatever um yeah so so yeah just listening like what are the things that are holding people up and yeah so originally yeah gas prices were one uh nonces was another one sometimes just the network is bogged down and when the network is slow it can look exactly like it was a metamask problem but really it's just transactions are slow on the network so um, I feel like if I talk to some Bitcoin wallet creators, they'd have some good tips for that. But, but I don't know if Bitcoin had these these things where it's like this singular moment where everyone's just trying to race each other. Maybe they just have like the weekend. So they call it it's just. Uh, <laughs> but what's what's your thoughts on um, like using state channels for ICOs um, in the future, where we don't have to worry about these sorts of backlogs? Yeah, I was having this. I, thought, I someone, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to complete the the thought there that, yeah. that I had. I had a few individuals talk about like the idea of like using Raiden, um, you know, once it was live in order to usually do these ICOs and that would reduce like the overall like congestion on the main chain. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways you could reduce that kind of momentary congestion, right? Like, like I my my first like naive take was just. Just let people like deposit, you know, over the course of a week what what their maximum bid is, and then say we're capping it at this, and we're gonna have like a lottery, and we're gonna sell like blocks of five tokens, like mm-hmm. to the people who bought tickets, and then we'll give back the rest or something, right? That's like one example. You don't even need state channels for that, right? So so there are like, and that's just that's a really naive one too, right? So I'm just shooting in the dark, like like there are ways we don't have to congest the whole network and create this weird like uh, fear of missing out thing. You know, as beneficial as it may be to the people selling tokens at this at that time, uh, but state channels I think do have an interesting way. Like, so if you were if you were like really gripping to the to the like you know capped sale race okay. model, I do think that uh, uh, state channels could probably uh, alleviate that. What you could do is you could have like a week or two or you know any amount of time where people could deposit some ether, and it's actually a similar model, right? You've got a bigger sum that you're depositing into the state channel. And then once it starts, I guess they have like some faster computer that's dedicated to their uh, state channels processing. Um, what's funny though is like during one of these token sales, like the the whole network kind of is like a singular state channel for that for that contract. So to get more performance, you have to simplify the VM um, that for that state channel, right? It wouldn't be a full VM; it would just be like, yeah, maybe a balance adjusting thing, and then. Um, yeah, I mean, so state channels are a little young. I, uh, I, there have been a couple good, like pure ether state channel implementations going around the last couple of weeks, and I'm really excited about that. Um, Raiden, I'm excited about, but also like I'm still waiting for. Um, I think theoretically, state channels should be able to do basically anything that involves like checking some state out, and then checking that into a single core computer, and then checking it back in. So. So if if doing your sale on a single core apart from the main network is going to be more performant, then yeah, that should be better. And at the very least, it should be better for gas fees, right? Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to 
because you you get so many uh, just missed transactions. Like there's like just like uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of ether getting thrown away in exactly. uh, orders lost of gas. More. Yeah, yeah, right. and it's not necessarily wasted, right? Because like, it goes to the miners, right? And that's cool and all, but you know, it would be, it would be, it'd be great if we can reduce like that race of let's see you can throw the most money in for gas in order to get their transaction in the quickest. You know, like it just yeah. it, it allows us to open up more like uh, um, creative structures for these ICOs, so we make it a little bit more fair, right? And I think that's kind of yeah. one, one of the first steps. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think uh, even distribution of those tokens are in the benefit of the organization, right? Like you don't want one shareholder just kind of calling your shots and then like wailing around your funds and like trickling them out to like manipulate the price or something, right? What you yeah, want is you want a community engaged and invested in what you're doing. Yep, the, the distribution is very important, and that's why I really liked what um, like Status was working on, when, like when they did the, S, the the Genesis token, where they would like you know put those out to like the early on individuals who were like getting into the project, and then you know from there like uh, after the ICO, uh, actual ICO, you could like convert some of those tokens, and like that's kind of a way where you can get like more um, like. I guess dedicated individual in like your initial like tribe of your ICO, right? Because yeah, you know, you're trying yeah. to build a network effect. Yeah. And like, like there's there's lots of different ways that we can do this, and I think like in combination with these different methodologies, we'll find like the most fair way to ensure that everyone that wants to get in gets in, and everyone who wants to make money can make money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I hadn't heard about their their approach. Um, but yeah, but I, really yeah. Yeah, 100% believe that like 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 Ether and Bitcoin, like it's all network fees to reduce Sybil attacks, right? It's just because you don't know these people. Yeah. But if you just give your tokens out to people you know first, you you create your own identity verification. Yeah. Like, so you just bypass that and then you have a stronger network. Um, so yeah, it seems like a pretty strong way to distribute, um, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Petty, do you have another question? No, that, that kind of summed up what I was talking about, making sure yeah. that like, when you do these types of things that that once someone can't gain the system, either the ICO model or the underlying system itself, to to gain a disproportionate amount of the the tokens, because that's not the point, right? And that's been, exactly what we're seeing. With that too, like where you're like, guys, what what the hell are we doing? Like, yeah, Jesus my articles have been trying to point that out, and like as emphatically as I possibly can, is that despite the ideology of the of the platform saying they want a decentralized token, that's not what we're getting. Or if, if we are getting it, we're we're introducing intermediaries who are making a very fat profit off of making it that right. way. Yeah, and, or, or there's no way of verifying that it is decentralized either, yeah. right? Like all we know is that it was kind of distributed according to people who had ether and were on their computers. Like that's all. Like, like which is probably a bot, which is probably somebody yeah. who had the money to buy a bot <laughs> or the time to build one, right? So it's probably centralizing actually. Um, that's why I'm, I'm really excited about the idea of like those continuous crowd sales and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting way to like um, make ownership like more flat. I mean, that's one. That's some of the feedback that I've heard like thus far with these like firms that are kind of like incubators slash like you know PCs, where it's like we bring you underneath our wing, and you know we'll bring you to a point where you can actually do an ICO and you'll raise funds, and you know we're promised 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of your tokens, right? Like yeah. that is a that was that was a great model that was you know kind of introduced by a lot of people early on to get the ball rolling. But we're gonna end up with a point where we have like very very centralized ownership with some of these very 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 expensive billion dollar market cap tokens that they continue to grow in adoption. And that's kind of scary. And yeah. I think it's important that we focus on um, more flatter ownership 
to the equity of these tokens because ultimately it's not going to it's only going to help with adoption and it's only going to help you know get more and more people financially invested uh in this ecosystem yeah. Uh, but yeah i'm sorry i just wanted to complete that thought <laughs> yeah yeah i totally agree it's it's yeah and and I like ones that you know just totally dodge the financial like like this is maybe a, it's just a good to just re recite you know remind ourselves is like because because today right there was the the Bancor launch and oh, yeah. it was it was like the first one to out out uh, raise the Dow so so like for for I everyone think, who's like still scarred and shaking it's gonna get disgusting like if if sentiment remains remains positive and this goes up I think we're gonna have somebody raising like if. If Bancor can raise 140 plus million dollars, I can only imagine what like an actual product that like already exists that already has users out there could like could do. I'm very excited yeah. for like what Kick and you know the Ken token launch and like these are going to be great experiments into like what are the best cases going forward. So I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there was a question like would would MetaMask do a? I mean, I kind of answered by just saying like we're funded, so we don't really have to worry about it. Um, yeah. We we had a thought because like some of our time is locked up with user support, so we were like maybe we should have user support tokens, honestly. And yeah. and you could use them like to vote on which uh, features you want us to ship sooner. Dude, that sounds like that sounds like a great way to like improve right. the product over time and still incorporate the users. I think yeah. that'd be an option to go down because because you know consensus is going to end up incubating like a lot of really cool companies, but everyone yeah. is going to want to get their hands on the services that they use and they respect. So, uh, yeah. you know, if, if Bancor can raise one hundred forty million dollars, I don't see why MetaMask, which helps yeah. so many people every day, can't raise five to ten. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's it's funny. I yeah. I, I would I. Yeah, maybe I'm like way too humble, but like I would I would feel greedy even asking for it. Like I'm like pretty happy. Um, but like I also like like if you've looked at like the back uh, the back feed protocol, like that's like an example of like a community participation centric token issuance. So like you can just stack it onto anything where they issue the tokens when the existing token holders say that you just contributed to the community. So like at some point, maybe MetaMask will be a you know totally decentralized project and you know, every every issue or feature will just have like a, a MetaMask token bounty, right? We don't even have to offer Ether. Like if, if we can, you know, if the project has its own smart contract, like why not just, you know, and and it, if it if we can give it value, so maybe that's voting, maybe that's, uh, you know, support, but we could just mint it through contributions and then then who, who needs a core team other than to just like get people started? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess, I guess to close up this, um, what would be what would be something you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, either with uh, either some advice for developers who want to build stuff on top of uh, MetaMask, or just uh, some sound advice that you've sort of like picked up from your experience working so closely with Ethereum over the past couple of years. Uh, lay it on us. Tell us something. Yeah. All right. Um, so so yeah, I, I half wish I'd like tried, thought for a longer time, but uh, if I could leave leave the listeners and and all the people that are that are coming into this space with one thing, it would be. Uh, remain calm. <laughs> just, just come on in, have a great time. I mean, there's there's interesting things. There's a lot of confusing things. There are things that are more complicated than you're going to learn in a day or a week. And you may not get rich today, or, or you, you get rich may, tomorrow. You get rich tomorrow. Yeah, you may have not got rich <laughs> earlier today. And we're sorry. We're we're very sorry. We're, we're working on it. We're trying to. We we want to let everybody get rich this morning. Earlier, <laughs> earlier today. Um, but uh, in the meanwhile, stay stay calm. We need we need lots of people participating, contributing their ideas uh, and and feedback peacefully, lovingly, collaboratively, 
And if we stay calm and work together, I think we might be able to make some cool stuff. I like that. <laughs> stay calm, work together, and make cool stuff. Those yeah. are words to live by. I can stand by that. It's, it's, it started out like you were selling me on the shipper road to Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on in. It's a lot of fun. It, don't be yeah. afraid. It's exciting. <laughs> don't be afraid. You know, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm practicing your uh, your chair methodology. <laughs> yeah, man. It's all about the delivery. Here, here, have a seat. Have a seat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 thank you, Dan. And, you know, thank you for filling us, filling our minds in on your background and uh, more on Kamavis. And, you know, Sad, Sadie couldn't be here today. I know he was a little bit tired. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's working super hard. We, we all we all are. I, as I can imagine. So more power yeah. to him. Hopefully we can have him back next time. You guys come on and fill yeah. us in on what yeah, you bet. He'd love to be on. Excellent. All right. Well, you know, th- thanks for coming on the show, man. And um, we'll have you guys back again real soon. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to meet you guys. Pleasure. All right, man. Have a great day. This episode of Block Channel was brought to you by Zcash. Zcash is a public blockchain with security and privacy at the center of its mission. Zcash utilizes cutting-edge zero-knowledge proofs to enable real cash-like privacy for your internet-related transactions. Zcash believes privacy can be compatible with social values and with good regulation and law enforcement. They wish to use their science-driven approach to ensure a privacy-first future when building next-generation applications atop of a public blockchain. Zcash has strong governance with checks and balances to ensure its long-term growth, Possessing both an open, inclusive, strong community, thanks to the Zcash company, with founder CEO Zuko Wilcox at the helm, and Zcash Foundation, boasting members like Naval Ravikant from AngelList. Zcash provides another robust vision for bringing private payments to the internet. To learn more, check out the links in the show notes description below. But if we become one like folk coins, yeah, ready to form like Voltron, we might have a little something to go on. I'm like, what did humans do with folk coin? This ain't our purpose, nigga. Without the coin, you feel worthless. I know they did that shit on purpose, nigga. Yeah, they trying to turn this to a circus, nigga. Yeah, the deadline is quick approaching, nigga. Yeah, the media is just a circus, nigga. Yeah, entertainers a bunch of circus, niggas. Yeah, politicians a bunch of circus, niggas. Yeah, they ain't even scratching the surface, nigga. Yeah, and if the shit passed and it turned to Bitcoin, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember being a little playing Mario, just trying to get to the coin.
probation, slavery, pissing for the master, the cops is a gang, and they really beat your ass, and the court is a mob, and it's ran by the coin, coin.